Hey love, hello, welcome to the Freemo Podcast. So glad that you're here. On today's episode, I have such an incredible guest. So Tyndall and I have been connected on Instagram for quite a while and I just can't even put into words how much I appreciate everything that she shares on her page and with her community. And it's just such a validating, compassionate space that I think has such an incredible approach to self-compassion, to embracing who you are, embracing being a human. And so I'm just so excited to share this episode with you. So she's a licensed therapist. She's an advocate, a writer. Her mission is to help women find compassion for themselves, to make sense of their experiences, and to feel empowered to bring their true selves to the world. So incredible, right? So in today's episode, we talk about how to start being kinder to yourself, how to respond to your inner critic, how to start growing self-trust. And so if any of those things are really pulling towards you or you're feeling that nudge, like, yes, those are some things that I really wanna dig into, this episode is definitely for you. Hey, sweet 20-something, welcome to the Free and Well podcast. Do you want to feel more confident and stop second-guessing and doubting yourself? Do you wake up feeling motivated and excited only to get caught up in comparison and find yourself distracted and wasting time on social media? Hey, friend, I'm Devani. I'm a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. I'm a therapist, life coach, and a dog mom. And I remember being right where you are doubting myself, comparing myself, and just wanting to feel content and confident in who I was and in my worth. I'm on a mission to share with you powerful psychology-based tools and simple steps so you can start growing your self-confidence, your self-compassion, and your self-worth, while also creating consistent, positive, healthy routines. It's time for you to stop second-guessing and comparing yourself, my friend. Freedom and confidence are calling. And even though I'm a therapist, this show is for educational purposes only. Information from this show is not a substitute for mental health or medical treatment. It is your time. Let's dig in and take some real, authentic, perfectly imperfect action together. Let's go. my friends. I am so excited to be here with Tyndall. We literally booked this months out. Um, and I'm so, so excited to just have her here to share her wisdom. So thank you so much for being here with me on this, this early Friday morning, Tyndall. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay. So let's get started with one of your favorite nuggets or quotes related to our topic of self-compassion today. Yes, I love self self compassion, as you know. Um, and I had all these like clinical quotes picked out, and then I was like, no, I'm going to go a little bit more fun. I think. Um, so I picked a Gaga quote, and she says, "I've been searching for ways to heal myself, and I found that kindness is the best way." Mm -hmm. And I love that. 
Yeah. I love that. Tell me, so when I look at your Instagram, which we've been, you know, connected on Instagram for a while. And when I was, I was scrolling through your Instagram recently, just to refresh and get some extra things to ask you about here on this, on this episode. And there's so much around self-compassion and like, I can just see your heart for this topic and in the work that you do and in everything that you share. So tell me, why is this so near and dear to you? Like, why is this something that you feel so passionate about? Yeah, I think first, um, I think, I think I get to daily, I get to see it daily, how much healing can happen when the critical parts of us soften, right? Mm. So like I work, I work only with women. I get to share space with women all day long. Um, and I get to see the impacts of their life, right? Whenever they're able to understand themselves from an informed place, um, when they start to notice the shift of, um, oh, actually when I'm nicer to myself, things go better. Right. Like, I think we have these beliefs. It's like, no, I have to be hard on myself because I don't want to let myself um, mess up or stop trying or let myself go or something like that. And it's, it's just really amazing to see the impacts that happen whenever they're nicer to themselves. So I think that kind of keeps that passion fueled. Um, But then personally, right. Like I'm someone who used to be without even awareness, just so incredibly hard on myself. Um, like just so much perfectionism. So just really, really hard on myself. And then I went to therapist training school, right? I went to graduate school. I love that you call it that therapist training school. Yeah. And it changed my life. Um, I really had to unpack some of that stuff and yeah, so I'm hooked. So powerful. Yeah. And I I love what you said too, about the fact that for you, it's a daily practice, right? And I would a hundred percent agree with that, that it's something that we work on daily. And so it's, it it almost makes it easier for us to share about it because it's something that we are so intentionally practicing every day, which is so powerful. And I would dare to say too, that I think a lot of us um, in some season of our lives, have been so self-critical. I know I've been the same way. Like I was so self-critical. Yeah. Very like perfectionist tendencies, people pleasing tendencies. And so often for so long, I didn't even realize that, right? Like we're not even aware that that's happening. And so that's something that I would love um, to ask you is just kind of like, what, what are maybe some signs or some things that, that women can start noticing or trying to pay attention to, to see if maybe we need to soften that self-talk or if maybe we need some self-compassion. Cause I think so, so many of us, it's so hard to notice if we haven't learned to notice it. Yeah. I think I know for me, whenever I first noticed it, I had a professor give me some feedback And she said, you know, I noticed something about you. You give grace to everyone around you. um, But I don't hear any of that grace turned inward. Mm. And when she said that, I started paying attention. Um, And it was really true. Like, I really was giving so much grace to other, like my professors and the students around me. But I didn't have any of that for myself. And I started to tune in a little bit. Um, And once she said that, I kind of couldn't unsee that. So I think that's one sign, right? Like kind of noticing, just getting curious about 
how I'm talking to myself right now, would I talk to anyone I know like that? Right? No, usually not. Um, so I think, yeah, that's one sign. I think also um, noticing, especially like professional women, right? I work with a lot of professional women, noticing how perfectionism or how fear holds you back, mm. right? From starting the project or doing the thing. Um, and what happens like in, in this goes from, you know, people not in their careers yet too, but like what happens when I make a mistake? What happens internally? What happens in my body? Um, can I get curious about that a little bit? Yeah. Tell me the yeah. power. Tell me the power in that when we're, when we kind of dig into what happens when I make a mistake, why does that feel so important? I think this comes a little bit into like this whole idea of self-esteem versus self-compassion, right? So self-esteem is really rooted in when we do things well, right? When we do things well, our self-esteem grows and we feel better. Um, what happens when you don't do things well, right? Um, can we get curious a little bit about how that ties into well-being? I think it's pretty dangerous to put all of your eggs in the self-esteem basket. You know, I think in our culture, that's definitely what we're trained to do. Um, always hustle, always do the next thing, self-improvement, all of this stuff. But what happens when things don't go well? Are there some eggs in that basket to like help you through that? Is there some like a compassionate muscle for yourself already built a little bit so that um, your mental well-being isn't totally invested in how well you're accomplishing tasks essentially? Yeah. 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 And I can imagine how much like you said, that would hold us back if we are in that, you know, in that mindset, if that's something that we've learned for so long of, if I do something, I have to do it a hundred percent. I have to do it so well. And so of course that would then create this feeling of like, well, if I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to do it a hundred percent, well, I'm not even going to try to do it at all. Absolutely. And how many ways just in your life that can really prevent you from living essentially. Yeah. 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 So, so powerful. And I think you're totally right. Um, and that's something else that I actually wanted to ask you about was tell me, I love when you share like contra it's not necessarily controversial, but just like these posts about like unpopular opinions online, especially in the self-help industry, especially when we think about like younger women who are consuming social media all the time, tell me like, what are some of your biggest thoughts around like things that they should know or be aware of? And this could be self-compassion related or, or just in general, but like, tell me some of your thoughts on that. Cause I love seeing these posts and I feel like there are so many things going on online in social media that aren't necessarily super helpful for well-being, for our health, right? So I would love if you have any that are standing out to you. Yeah, I think I understand the question. So I like to stir the pot a little bit on social media um, because I see, you know, of course, there's like the toxic positivity stuff, right? I go into Target and my heart rate increases a ton when I go and see like 
good vibes only, like all of that stuff just really upsets me. And I think there's a lot of that narrative on social media um, because ultimately I think it's harmful for our well-being, right? Like I think that we're, we're getting messages all day long to ignore and suppress unpleasant emotions, essentially, like hustle through them, um, raise your vibrations away from them, like really disowning sometimes like very important parts of ourselves. Um, and so I'm really about the all vibes welcome, right? All parts welcome. Um, that stuff on social media just like, just gets me going. It, yeah. It, yeah. I think it's so powerful because if they're, if we're following people who aren't necessarily sharing things like that, right? Like that can really impact. And that's something that as I've been talking more with my community, hearing more about how much time they're spending on social media and wanting to spend less time on social media and just the impact of not only spending the time there, but also like seeing everyone else's highlight reel and that comparison and those pieces. So I wanted to make sure I, I asked you about that. That's so good. Yeah, it can be a lot. I mean, honestly, I think it's pretty shame inducing if you don't curate your feed well. Um, it's you sh you're ashamed if your self-care practice isn't aesthetically pleasing, right? You're feeling shame if you're having in quotes like low vibrations or sadness or having a hard day. Um, it can just be like a little shame maker scrolling that way. I really like to invite people to really curate their, their Instagram feed or their social media feed um, and kind of be mindful. Like when I'm scrolling, how's my body responding to that, right? Now what kind of narrative is going on in my head? Um, and just getting curious. Like I'm not saying I'm not prescribing anything or saying this is the way, like really trusting your body's response to something um, and just getting curious about that. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think so much yeah. of what I'm hearing is, is really checking in with yourself, right? Like creating that space to tune in and really to start noticing, like even with that self-compassionate talk or even with that inner critic, right? Like just mm -hmm. noticing, just starting to pay attention. And like you said, noticing how your body feels when you're scrolling or in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, that's another thing I think. So this is taking it maybe a little bit deeper, but um, I think even very well-intentioned social media content can stir up a lot of shame. Um, so I think there's kind of this like managerial approach happening to social media. And I think it's a lot of how a lot of like traditional therapists are trained, but it's, it's kind of this idea of like, okay, let's look at ourselves and the things that need control and like managed to be managed and to be stifled, let's do that, right? Like let's tame that inner critic. Let's do things like that. And, and I honestly think that there might be a more compassionate approach mm -hmm. to wellness that will take people a lot further when they get out of the lens of, let me turn inward to fix. Mm -hmm. Okay, right? yes. Yeah. Okay. So if we're not turning inward to fit, I'm so curious about this. Okay. So you're saying that like online, right? There's so many, especially like you said, well-meaning mental health content that's around like 
fixing, right? Like fixing or um, I don't know what a, another word would be, but kind of like fixing these parts of ourselves, right? So tell me like, what would it look like to try something different? Can you give me an example? Yeah. So let's take um, like your inner critic. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of narratives around like, tell her to be quiet. She doesn't know my capability, Mm. you know, like taming the inner critic, that kind of thing. And I understand that that makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And so something that might look different would be like imagining what it would, what is, where did she learn to talk that way? Right. Like if we're going to get curious about this very real part of ourselves, um, she might not mean harm. Right. Like in trying to tame her and silence her and battle her is in, you think about it as a part of yourself, right? Like that might actually create more stress in your system sometimes. But if we can turn inward a little bit and get curious, um, like what are her hopes for you? Mm. Right. Like my, I'll speak for my system, like my inner critic, she wants the very best for me. She wants me to belong. She wants me to be accepted. She wants me to live up to my potential and do well and be successful. Um, She doesn't want me to feel like shit about myself. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That might be the consequence, but that's definitely not her intention. Mm. Um, And so I know my experience and a lot of the experience of my clients, like it's just a lot more powerful whenever we can be with her with curiosity and like kind of help that part of ourself do it differently than trying to battle her down. If that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think about the metaphor, I've been moving a lot through a different model than I learned in grad school. So I'm digging into acceptance and commitment therapy. And one of the, and I know that you love internal family systems. And I think that's something that I love so much about you is that I, I don't see or hear enough of that especially in the online space. And I don't know if that's just because of the things that I'm seeing or if it's just maybe not represented as much. I don't know, but I love that about you. And what's coming up is this metaphor of when we try to have a beach ball, like say we're in a pool, we have an inflated ball of some kind and we're trying to push it under the water, right? Like how long does that ever work before it finds a way up? And so what what I'm hearing from you is like shifting from this space of how do I fix this to how can I compassionately interact with this? Right. And then the power is in that. And I think we so often don't realize that there is healing and transformation power in that, but we feel like, oh, I have to fix it for it to heal and for it to, right. Like for things to change, but it's like, really, there's so much power and just being more compassionate towards it. There really is. There's so much power there. Um, it's so much less stressful on your system overall. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds woo woo, right? Like, Oh, like self-love, like just be more compassionate, like compassion is the medicine, that kind of thing. But it's like, no, but it like really is. <laughs> there really is so much, like so much research and self-compassion is something that I've dug into a lot in the last few years. And I remember too, um, 
just an interesting research nugget. I think that it was Dr. Kristen Neff in one of her audiobooks or something said, like literally when we are being really critical to ourselves, that literally is releasing cortisol into our system. And when we practice that self-compassion in response to that, it's soothing our nervous system. And that's what you were just saying, right? It's so, it's so true, like on a physiological level. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So what you just said, just led me perfectly into a question that I got, cause I was trying to get questions for my community over in the Facebook group, um, to ask you. So one of them was, how do I find the balance of being compassionate, but not like letting myself off the hook or letting myself be lazy. Right. Because I think in our culture, right. We are really taught, I think often that it's like, no, you need to be hard on yourself. You need to be really critical because that's how you get stuff done. And if you are too compassionate or too kind to yourself, you're not right. Like you're going to let yourself off the hook all the time. And I know that's something that I struggled with in the beginning, um, finding that balance. So tell me your thoughts on that. I love this question. I hope I can do it justice. Um, so, okay, first of all, some of you mentioned Kristen Neff, right? So some of Kristen Neff's research reflects that actually the more self-compassionate we are, the more accountable we are, right? So it's, um, I think when we try to drive our behavior out of shame, right? So there's, I need to live up to this thing. I need to get this thing done because if I don't, then I am bad. I am worthless. I am, you know, whatever that narrative says. Um, and so that may work short term, but it's usually not sustainable. So let's take, um, you know, like I really say one of my projects I need to get done and I'm like, I really need to do this thing because if I don't, then I'm a failure and I'm a mess and I can't do anything, whatever. That might be a short-term driver for that, right? Like, let me just do this thing so I don't feel bad. Um, but when self-compassion is already there in my system and it's a muscle that I've kind of developed, um, I want to do that thing, that project, because I want it to benefit my life and my career. And I see it as a way of like offering myself kindness, right? And because that is so much less stressful on my system, like that is a more sustainable way to approach tasks essentially, right? Accountability tasks in your yeah. life. Yeah. So, so good. And I, I think another nugget too, that she had shared was that people who practice self-compassion are actually more likely to after say that they fail or, you know, whatever failing is say that they don't do the thing well, the first time people who practice self-compassion are more likely to get up and actually try again more like sooner than people who are hard on themselves after that quote unquote failure, which is mm -hmm. so interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating, right? Yeah. So if we have mm -hmm. this person who's like, well, I don't want to be too soft on myself. Like how, maybe, maybe how do I know if I'm letting myself off the hook versus just practicing a healthy amount of self-compassion? What would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, I would probably get curious about the intensity of the response. Mm. 
right? So if you think about like, and you know, my IFS stuff is going to come in here because it always does. I love but, it. Um, like if we think about kiddos who haven't learned boundaries quite yet and they don't want to do the projects, they don't want to do anything, school's boring, right? Like they just don't want to do anything. That's a pretty intense response to whatever it is. Um, and so it's about helping, it would be about helping that kiddo know that like, but this is good for you and this is why. And sometimes we do have to do hard things because it's going to serve you in the long run kind of thing. Um, and so I would get curious even about our internal landscape a little bit that way. Um, like, I think we have a bunch of inner kiddos, right? Um, and they have big reactions to things. And so it's about developing a relationship with ourselves to help keep that balance yeah. of, you know, we, we do have to do this thing. It may be hard, but this is why it's compassionate and kind to ourselves in the long run. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think too, willing, willing to allow all of these things that we're trying to implement into our lives or skills that we're trying to build, allowing them to be practices. And when I say that, I mean, allowing them to be things that you practice, that you practice over and over again, because I feel like it takes practice to find, right? Like in that, like you said, it's very individual. So that space of, okay, yeah, I'm making up excuses for myself versus no, like I, I need some kindness here. I need some compassion. I need some grace here. Finding that balance will take practice for you, right? Situation Mm -hmm. from situation, you'll learn each time, um, and as we, you know, grow, we change our needs change what this looks like change. So allowing ourselves in each situation to, I think how you would phrase it would be like that curiosity, right? Like coming into each situation with curiosity and compassion and just navigating that and being willing to have that kind of like explorer mindset of like, let me, let me see. And versus, okay, I have to know how to handle this. I have to know the right way, right? Shifting into that other space. Yes. And I think that that builds trust internally over time because you learn to start turning inward and trusting your own wisdom versus trying to outsource it somewhere. Um, And I love that you named curiosity again, because I, I don't know about you, but I can get curious way before I can get compassionate with myself. Um, I Compassion comes later, right? If I can get curious about my response, if I can get curious about, hmm, like I'm curious about that part of me story a little bit. Why does, what, what's going on there? Like, um, could, is, could there be a different way? Not there is a different way and I have to do it. Could there be a different way? Mm-hmm. And then I think the more curiosity comes on board, then we have, you know, a path to compassion. I think you made such a powerful point too about self-trust and how, again, that's something that we grow and build. And like you said, the more that we are turning inward and getting curious, and then ultimately, hopefully getting compassionate, that we're able to you know, build that self-trust situation, like one situation at a time. And that it doesn't, I I think so often we feel like it's going to be this like monumental, 
oh my gosh, I have self-trust. And like, we're looking, and I know I've so been there where it's like, we're looking for that magic solution. Like I'm scrolling Instagram. I'm looking for that magical tool, that magical mindset shift, the mat, whatever that's going to solve it because mm-hmm. I don't have the answer. And so I'm looking for that one thing. Right. And then eventually I've been able to slowly shift into this space of like one situation at a time. I'm growing this part of me. I'm learning. Right. And like, really, like you said, it's just like building that muscle of slowly growing that over time and knowing that that's okay and natural and healthy to do, that it's a, that slower process. Absolutely. And like, each single time that you have a little bit more curiosity on board for yourself or a tiny bit of more compassion for yourself. Like you really are helping your brain take that road in the future. Like you're literally laying each brick down, right? In your brain for that to be an easier road to travel later. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that reminder is so important because I think it, it does feel sometimes, especially with people who are high achieving or really ambitious. And it's like, we need to get there and we need to get there now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I need to have it all figured out and I need to know how to handle all these situations right now. It's like, there's, a, I mean, for what I found on my growth and healing journey is like, there's, there's no end here. It's just like continuing to grow every day and continuing to learn more about myself every day, learning about what I need, building that trust, building that compassion a little bit every day. Yes. And that's kind of where the fixing thing comes back, right? Like what if I shift my goal to be self-understanding versus whatever else I came up with, right? Like being the most perfect version of myself, my best self in quotes, like what if the goal is just self-understanding and with that comes a lot of change and it's on its own. Oh, I love that so much. And I'd be, I'd be curious if, if we were to reflect on what, because underneath, I'm sure there are goals there that maybe we haven't thought about right? Of like, like there's a reason why we're trying to grow. There's a reason why we're trying to do all these things. And I would be so curious of what are these expectations that I have for my growth or well-being? What are, you know, if there was to be a goal for this, what would it be? And just like almost brain dumping all of those out. Cause I know that in previous, you know, seasons of my life, 100%, it would be to fix things, to get rid of things, you know? And so I love that idea of what if my goal was more self-understanding and like what a shift that could create and how we show up and how we treat ourselves and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, and getting curious about the underlying hopes there. You know, like my prime perfectionist part, um, it looked like on paper, she wanted to do this career thing perfectly or something like that. When I really got curious and sat with her hopes, right? Her hopes were 
that I would belong, right? Her hopes were mm. that I would be fulfilled in my work. Her hope, it's just, it's different when we just get some more curiosity on board and take it a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, there's just more understanding there. Yeah, so good. Mm-hmm. And something I, okay, so like I said, I was totally scrolling through your Instagram and I was like, things I want to, I just was perusing and I was like, what are some things that I want to ask her about? So something else, related to what we were just talking about that you posted recently was on this idea of creating better versions of ourselves versus acknowledging like the wonderful amazingness that we already have within us. Tell me your thoughts on that. Cause I think that is like online, you're going to see best self everywhere, right? Like you see that, like be your best self, creating new versions of yourself. Um, tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. The first thing that comes to mind is what you just described. Be your best self, do this better, level up, blah, blah, blah. Right. That feels very shame driven to me. Yeah. Like I feel shame about the level that I'm at right now when I hear that. Right. I'm like, Oh shit. Like I am not enough right now. This is not enough. Right. Must level up. What does that look like? Well, right. Then I should be ashamed of the level where I am now. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I don't think that shame driven behavior is sustainable. Right. I just, well, I know it's not. (laughs) You're like, I can tell you it's not. (laughs) It's not. Um, It might be until something, right? Like, it's just like, it's just not sustainable long-term. And so that's why I love the idea of really honoring every inherent good, wise thing that is already in your system, because I promise it's in there. It is in there already. Um, and even the part of you that wants to level up, right? Like that's a good part of you. That part wants good things for you. And I think whenever we can turn inward and really like be with some of that stuff, the results that we're looking for start happening, right? 100%. Again, yeah, I, I kind of, I was reflecting this week of I'm having a lot of career, potential career changes happening. And I reflected on starting that Instagram account and how many things that has changed in my Mm. career path. And it's been, it's required a lot of self-compassion to show up, put my writing out there, being a therapist and putting my writing out there, right? We're trained to like keep our mouths shut essentially. And I was just reflecting on if I had still been so critical of myself, I would never have had the career opportunities that have come my way now, Mm. right? Even though that part of me like really wanted my career to be perfect, right? Like it would not have happened. So I think when we do, when we, I'm like, here's self-compassion just on my, on my high horse about it, but like really it starts giving us the results, results that we didn't even have on the radar yet. Like it really does start bringing good things to our lives. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I cannot yeah. wait to see what is to come for you. So we'll stay posted related to that. That's so exciting. 
Okay. Yes. I love that. And I think, I think for me, when I imagine like growth, well-being, health, like all of these parts, I think what I picture, and this could just be, you know, a difference in how I visualize it. But I think what I picture is like almost a flower where there's like this beautiful, gorgeous flower that's like wanting to blossom. Right. But there's these like pieces or layers that are like covering it up. And so when I picture like growth and wellness, I'm not picturing like, okay, yeah, create your best self. Right. But it's more like, what are these things that aren't yours or that aren't helping you? Right. And how can we like release them, let the tension go Um, move through them with compassion, with curiosity to where they naturally are going to fall off. Right. And it's things that usually aren't even ours to carry. And then you're amazing, authentic, who, who you truly are at the core of who you are can come out and be right and be seen and be heard and be shared in the world. I feel like that's kind of what I picture when I think about, you know, yeah, this is beautiful. I love that. We, there's a word for that in the IFS world. It's called unburdening, mm. right? Like releasing the burdens that we've had to carry that most of the time were not ours. I'm going to have to or like, look into that. I love that. I didn't yeah. know there was a term. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like the, the burden of perfectionism, you know, I didn't come into the world with that attached to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. All right. So let's, before we kind of start wrapping it up, tell me what do you think would be, and I know we already touched on this a little bit, but if you were to tell me maybe a couple of, um, top ways for people to get started, like maybe just some practical, simple ways for people to start practicing more self-compassion, whether these are things that maybe you do or encourage clients to do. And I know we already mentioned just starting to notice that dialogue, but do you have any other tools or tips or practices that you'd recommend? Yes. So we talked about Kristen Neff, right? Like she's the leader in self-compassion research. She is so generous by having so many no cost tools on her website. Her website is selfcompassion.org. I think it's a great place to start. And she has lots of like a lot of variety. Amazing. Um, Yeah. I would invite, if you're curious and like what I've shared to come connect with me, I'm going to have a lot of cool things coming out this um, year that I can't quite talk about yet. Um, And so, yeah, come connect with me and and stay tuned there. I'm kind of diving into more of the practical um, stuff that that. I want to share with people. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I love actually the self-compassion deck. Um, I'm kind of blanking on the, um, creator, but it's just like a card deck and each one below we'll find it and we'll link it below for you guys. So you can go down in the show notes and find it. Yeah. Awesome. And then my biggest tip would be, can I get a little bit curious about this? Right. If I, can I just get a little bit curious about how I talk to myself? Can I get a little bit curious about where that part of me might've learned that. Um, yeah. So 
good. Okay, amazing. All right. Anything else that you would like to share before we close up? Any last thoughts that you really want? Whoever these beautiful women are who are listening, any words that are on your heart for them to hear today before we close up? What immediately comes to mind is just that you already, like whoever's listening right now, you already have the goodness inside of you that you are looking for elsewhere. Like, I promise, I promise it's in there. I promise even if it feels buried or the real true you feels buried by other things, she's in there. Um, yeah, she's in there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tyndall. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode spoke to you and encouraged you. Also, I have an online community that is just for you. Head to freeandwellcommunity.com and make sure that you enter your email address so that you can get weekly journal prompts from me and be the first to hear about new episodes. All right, my friend, I will see you at our next coaching coffee date. Have a beautiful rest of your day.